As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Are you wrestling with questions that really matter but just keep coming up empty or perplexed? Well, you've come to the right place. Christian Research Institute President Hank Hanegraaff, host of the Bible Answer Man broadcast, is committed to equipping you with answers that have stood the test of time. Our aim is to help you mine the Bible for all its wealth so you can share those riches with a skeptical world still hungry for spiritual truth. To join us on air with your question, dial 888-ASK-HANK, which translates to 888-275-4265. For more information, go online to equip.org. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. And thank you very much, Randy. You can also contact us via the mail at Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. I will go to your questions live on air in just a bit. I do want to start out with a Facebook question, a question that I don't think I've ever been asked, certainly not on the Bible Answer Man broadcast. It's from Bethany, the biologist, who writes, I'm, I'm really curious to know what Hank thinks about the idea of toll houses. After all, he is Eastern Orthodox. Well, in response, Bethany, let me say this. If you've traveled the world for any length of time, you have probably experienced the anxiety that comes with passing through customs. Even if you're carrying a legitimate passport which grants you entrance into another country, there's always that, that underlying anxiety of an unjust customs agent denying access or worse. I remember having that fear when I went to Tehran in Iran. I remember taking the trip from uh, Dubai to Tehran and uh, wondering, how am I going to get through security? What's going to happen when I get to the security guards and so forth. Well, I won't tell you the whole story, but fortunately I made it into the country, and even more fortunately, I made it out of the country. But there's that anxiety. In fact, in some countries that I have traveled to, it's even necessary to pay off border agents in order to gain hassle-free entrance into the land in which you're seeking to go. I experienced that in Vietnam. This is in essence uh, the metaphor of toll houses. 
So all of that by way of giving you a little idea of what's going on when we talk about the concept of toll houses. The metaphor actually is rooted originally in the image of tax collectors who sit alongside ancient thoroughfares and they extort, they actually extort unjust fees from travelers who are seeking the rite of passage. Uh, I remember St. John Chrysostom who said that such unjust tax collectors are an apt analogy for demonic prosecutors prosecutors of the soul who come at the time of death. And the church fathers generally regard this metaphor as a very meaningful way by which to illustrate the soul's encounter with demonic adversaries following the death of the body. Well, this metaphorical teaching is not meant as much to arouse some kind of untoward anxiety within you, but it is designed to promote repentance. To gain a proper, a proper appreciation for the severity of sin, even sin that might be secret and hidden from those who know you best. To keep us from from justifying our sins or belittling the significance of those sins, to, to shake us from stupor, from complacency regarding the time of our death, something that ought to always be in the forefront of our minds, because we're all one heartbeat away from death. And so in this context, there are a number of things to consider with respect to the toll house or the customs metaphor. The first thing that comes to mind is that in the metaphor, it is God, not demons, who are not the ultimate judge, but God is that ultimate judge. The demons may play a prosecutorial role in the lives of the unrepentant, but the, the ultimate verdict belongs to the Lord. Another thing that comes to mind is that, as amplified by Christ's parable in Luke chapter 16, remember when the beggar died? The angels carried him to Abraham's side, and he was comforted there. Conversely, the rich man experienced torment with the hatred that demons have for the apex of God's creation they would like nothing more than to dominate them forever and ever. And yet to dominate the repentance is not within their purview. So if you are a genuine repentant Christian, if you confess your sins daily, then those demons have, have no control, no, no power over you whatsoever. The last thing that I should comment on is that as our Lord made plain just prior to his passion and his death, the prince of this world, the devil, has no hold on me. And thankfully, what is true of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is also true of all those who are rightly 
found in him. And this, says the Orthodox Church, is why the fathers advise us to live within the church with repentance, confession, spiritual works, that we may live and die in the church within the Orthodox faith and the prayers of our fathers so that the ruler of darkness, so that the spirits of evil may not have power over us. All, well, all who, who are united with God and have within their soul and heart the uncreated energies of God are outside the control of the demons. So the deified will not go through the so-called toll house or, or custom houses. So let me summarize that. At death, the souls of the repentant don't have to fear the power of the prince of the air, for the grace of God resides within them. And as such, they are surrounded by the divine light. They are victorious over aerial demons. However, as understood by the toll house metaphor, we must never ever, ever be cavalier concerning unrepentant sin. I love how the Philoclea puts this. If, if we do not confess, and I looked this up in answer to the question, I wrote this down. Again, you can find this in the Philoclea. If we do not confess our involuntary sins as we should, we shall discover an ill-defined fear in ourselves at the hour of our death. We who love the Lord should pray that we may be without fear at that time. For if we are afraid then, we will not be able freely to pass by the rulers of the netherworld. They will have us as their advocate to plead against us the fear which our soul experiences because of its own wickedness. But the soul which rejoices in the love of God at the hour of its departure is lifted with the angels of peace above all the hosts of darkness. For it is given wings by spiritual love, since it ceaselessly carries within itself the love which is the fulfilling of the law as depicted by Romans chapter 13. At the coming of the Lord, those who have departed the present life with such confidence as this will be caught up together with all the saints. Again, uh, taking this from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. So that is my preliminary stab at uh, the toll houses and certainly that is uh, a feature of the teachings of the ancient church. And by the way, you should get the book, When the Church Was Young. You will find this kind of information in this book. It is available for those who support the ministry. Uh, you can get your copy for your support, equip.org. We'll be right back with answers to your questions. While you may know many of their names, Irenaeus, Origen, 
Tertullian, Athanasius, and Augustine, to mention a few, what you may not know is the profound impact each made on the faith we embrace today. In When the Church Was Young, Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio brings you the inspirational stories of the earliest heroes of our Christian faith. It's a page-turner that is certain to enlighten you as you experience the lives and insights of these seminal teachers from the early days of Christianity, when the church was young. To receive your copy of When the Church Was Young, Voices of the Early Fathers, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI or visit us at equip.org. We'll be back in just a moment with more from Hank Hanegraaff. Has God spoken? Are the words of Scripture merely human in origin, or are they in fact the very words of God Himself? Three years in the making and based on two decades of research and reflection, Hank Hanegraaff's monumental book, Has God Spoken?, answers what is surely the most important question facing our world. In Has God Spoken?, memorable proofs of the Bible's divine inspiration, Hank counters the contentions of the Bible attackers and clearly shows that belief in the Holy Scriptures is not a guess or wishful thinking. It is the only logical conclusion after an honest examination of overwhelming evidence. Order Has God Spoken from the Christian Research Institute by calling 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org, equip.org. The number of wolves surrounding the Christian flock is growing and they relish nothing more than docile sheep utterly incapable of defending themselves. From militant secularists at home to militant Islamists abroad, the assaults on biblical Christianity are growing dangerously. But Christian Research Institute support team members aren't in favor of feeding these wolves. Instead, each day they're making possible an array of outreaches that defang these wolf packs with solid arguments and evidence that have stood the test of time. What's more, support team members are equipping themselves with CRI's Equipping Essentials, a hand-picked collection of the best apologetics tools around. Your selection of resources, along with a complimentary subscription to the Christian Research Journal, are just our way of saying thanks. To learn more about the benefits of membership, simply visit equip.org. Once again, that's equip.org. Do you ever wonder what the early church was like? In When the Church Was Young, Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio dusts off dry theology and brings to life the lives of early church heroes, Augustine, Athanasius, Chrysostom, and many more. Long before the words Catholic, Orthodox, and Evangelical referred to distinct and separated communities, the fathers of the church gloried in one faith, the united body of Christ, which can be none other than evangelical, Catholic, and Orthodox. It's time to rediscover our common inheritance and return to the days when the church was young to experience new growth that will produce new fruit, new unity, and joy. To receive your copy of When the Church Was Young, Voices of the Early Fathers, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches 
888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. And let's go right to the phone calls. The number to dial, triple eight, ask Hank. George first, Tacoma, Washington, Sirius XM 131. Hi, George. Hi, Hank. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I hope you're, you and your family are doing well in this strange time we're living. Yes. I, uh, I just went for my first radiation treatment. I'm going through a month's worth of radiation for a, uh, a squamish um, cancer that appeared on my forehead, and I had surgery for that, and now they have to do radiation. But it's not a life-threatening, but it is a... Uh, something I had to put off because of the coronavirus. They weren't uh, able to do any of that kind of, uh, of uh, uh, medical procedure until just recently. Well, I've had my events with basal cells, so I kind of know what that's like with the skin issues. Yeah. But I want to ask you, sure. um, the other night I was watching, I was flipping through YouTube, looking at some different religious leaders on YouTube, and I came across a video that was posted by Inside Edition that had pretty much cornered Kenneth Copeland as he was getting into one of his limousines, and the reporter was asking him why did he need to live this lavish lifestyle with jets and all this money and and expensive suits and and he was really taken aback, so he, it took him a few minutes to get his composure. But once he got his composure, Hank, he said, well, let me give you a, a quick answer to that. He said, you remember Abraham in the Old Testament? And she said, yes, the reporter. And he says, well, wasn't Abraham wealthy beyond means? And the reporter said, well, I guess so. So Kez said to her, he says, well, if Abraham was blessed by God and was extremely wealthy. Are we not heirs of that same covenant with Abraham? And shouldn't we expect to be as wealthy as Abraham? And, of course, she really didn't have an answer to that. She just kept asking him, is it really necessary for you to have three jets and these big homes? And But his answer was, Hank, was that since we are heirs of Abraham's covenant with God— we should be proud if we are wealthy also. Yeah, and that whole theology, actually, George, comes out of uh, what's called the Word of Faith theology. And in that theology, Adam commits cosmic treason by selling his godhood to Satan for the price of an apple. And Satan, therefore, becomes the god of this world, and and God is left on the outside, desperately searching for a way to get back in. In fact, I just looked up as you were speaking to a quote from Kenneth Copeland where he says, after Adam's fall in the garden, God needed an avenue back into the earth. Since man was the key figure in the fall, man had to be the key figure in the redemption. So God approached a man named Abraham. He enacted with Abram what Satan had done with Adam, except that God did not sneak in and use deception to get what he wanted as Satan had. God offered Abraham a proposition, and Abraham bought it. 
And so basically Copeland says uh, God is, is, or God is saying to Abram, I'm making a proposition to you. You can tell me to bug off, you don't like it. Well, the proposition was too posh for Abram to pass up. So rather than telling God to bug off, and by the way, that's Copeland terminology, uh, God took the deal. In, in exchange for unlimited wealth and prosperity, Abram gave God a, a venue back into the earth. And then Abram and God sealed their deal in blood and became blood brothers. That's sort of the story. Uh, so the good news of faith theology is that we are Abraham's seed, and therefore we're heirs to an Abrahamic covenant. And since God's covenant has been established and prosperity is a provision of the covenant, uh, you need to realize that prosperity belongs to you. So uh, this is sort of the way that they rationalize it theologically. Obviously, what this is, is the skin of the truth stuffed with a great big lie. Now, what I do in my book, Christianity in Crisis 21st Century, is I unpack all of that. Uh, you know, the whole prosperity gospel based on the idea that faith is a force, words are the containers of the force, and through the force of faith, one can create their own reality. Let me go back to the phone lines and talk to Joanne in Surrey, British Columbia, Canada, K-A-R-I. Hi, Joanna. Hey, Hank. Hey, sorry you're going back through radiation. That's not fun. Um, I was just, I don't know how you can answer this, but I have an incredible sadness that I just can't seem to shake. I thought I shook it, but my husband passed from cancer five months ago, and he had a very short battle of brain cancer for two months, three weeks, and then he passed. And I thought it was okay, but I'm just really suffering, and I'm really struggling and I guess I'm afraid, and I don't want to be afraid. So anything you can say, help, do. Yeah, you know, when we pray earnestly as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did, not my will, but thy will be done, we can rest assured that even in sickness and tragedy and the death of your husband, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So we know that God created us, that all the days ordained for us are written in his book before even one of them comes to be, that absent the body, we're present with the Lord. And that does not mean that it's easy because you're still experiencing the grief that comes from separation. But one of the balms of Gilead in your life is the certainty that you will be reunited with your husband in eternity, in a time in which there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. But in the meantime, we all have to deal with the specter of death. As I said in the first part of the broadcast today, we're all one heartbeat away from that eventuality. And certainly last year, I stared death in the face a couple of times. Uh, it is quite a miracle that I'm still on the planet. But that's by God's sovereign design. And now the only thing that I have to focus on, and I would say you have to focus on as well, is, is serving God with every fiber of your being. He's left you here for a purpose. And Joanna, you can... 
you, you can actually minister to people that that I could never minister to because of what you've gone through. I've never lost a spouse. I've lost a mother and a father, but I've never lost a spouse. I've lost a family member, but I've never lost a spouse. So you have a unique position within the body of Christ to minister to others uh, from the perspective of faith. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. But that's, I guess, that's all it is. is my mother died two years ago. My mother-in-law, a month and a half before my husband, and then my husband. And I just have this great sense of loss. Like, it's just a sadness. It and is I know a sadness. I trust God. Yes. I trust God. But it's, I've lost so much in two years. It's so sad. So I just want the sadness to go away. That's all. Well, we, we sometimes serve God in the midst of our sadness and in the midst of our pain, and sometimes that pain never goes away. I remember after my dad died, my mother said the hole in her heart never went away. And she lived many, many years after my dad died, but the hole in her heart never went away. But she served God, and she was the matriarch of our family and a great testimony to faith in the meantime. Blessings on you. I will be praying for you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Let me go back to the phone lines. Talk to Jeff in Pensacola, Florida, Sirius XM 131. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Hello. I can't hear you. Quickly. We're almost out of time. Have you heard, uh, read any of Ella Schofield's books? She yes. believed the uh, 1260 days when in Revelation 12 when the woman was hidden in the desert from the face of the serpent. Is that the 1260 years between the conquest of Jerusalem when the Dome of the Rock was built in 688 A.D. and 1948 when the Israel returned to the land? No, it has nothing whatsoever to do with that. In fact, Daniel is prophesying in the 6th century before Christ about what's going to happen in the 2nd century before Christ. And his greatest agony comes from the contemplation of the Old Testament Antichrist, Antiochus IV, Epiphanes. The solace to all of this is the coming of Jesus Christ. And the coming of Jesus Christ is the real axiom. It is the real point of reference. So he sees, gets a glimpse in his own prophetic vision of a coming babe of Bethlehem who will put all things to right. And so it is not a temple or a land that we yearn for. It is to be living pillars in the temple of God. I'd like to continue. I've written about this in my book. Has God Spoken and the Apocalypse Code. Find out what the Bible really says about the end times and why it matters today. Out of time for today. Thanks for tuning in. See you right back here tomorrow with more. We appreciate you tuning in to the Bible Answer Man broadcast. If you've been blessed by the broadcast and want more information to help you grow in the grace and knowledge of God, go to our website at equip.org. That's equip.org. To contact a resource consultant, call 888-7000-CRI. Again, that's 888-7000-274. Or you can write to us at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. 
The Bible Answer Man broadcast is supported solely by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. Has God spoken? Are the words of Scripture merely human in origin, or are they in fact the very words of God Himself? Three years in the making and based on two decades of research and reflection, Hank Hanegraaff's monumental book, Has God Spoken?, answers what is surely the most important question facing our world. In Has God Spoken? Memorable Proofs of the Bible's Divine Inspiration, Hank counters the contentions of the Bible attackers and clearly shows that belief in the Holy Scriptures is not a guess or wishful thinking. It is the only logical conclusion after an honest examination of overwhelming evidence. Order Has God Spoken? from the Christian Research Institute by calling 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. Equip Org. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.